my experience has taught me that the magic number is is three times a week. Uh, I get all of my athletes to commit to swimming at least three times a week. Some do more, uh, but none of them do less. That Triathlon Show, episode 17. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I talk with Rory Buck, a former international-level swimmer turned swimming coach, focusing exclusively on triathletes. And the main idea with this interview is to really give you a framework complete with specific examples for how you should be structuring your swim training as a triathlete on a program and a workout level. So some of the key questions that we go into are how often should you swim, how much should you focus on technique training and how much on fitness training and what kind of sets and drills would you use to improve technique and fitness as mentioned above And we'll also talk about how these things may change depending on the time of year and your current swimming ability. So without any further ado, let's dive right into the interview with Rory Buck. Today's guest on That Triathlon Show is Rory Buck, a swimming coach specifically for triathletes. He has his own swimming career in as his athletic background and has been swimming and coaching for a long time already, uh, coming from South Africa initially, but nowadays residing in uh, Dubai and swimming at the collegiate level in the States. So Rory, hi, welcome to that triathlon show. Hey, thanks. Thanks very much, Michael. I appreciate you having me. So do you mind taking a quick minute to fill in some gaps that I probably left out from that intro? Not a problem at all. Uh, yeah, I started swimming a little bit later than most competitive swimmers. I got really into uh, training at 16 uh, and spent a number of years trying to catch up to the competition that I was swimming against. Uh, very similar to the experience that a lot of uh, age group triathletes go through learning to swim late. Um, over a 10-year period, got more and more competitive uh, whether I got faster or my competition just slowly retired, I'm not sure which one happened, but ended up swimming uh, at an international level, representing South Africa. Uh, swam collegiately in the States and then uh, retired in 2012 after Olympic trials um, and uh, yeah, just continued to coach. Uh, and then in the last couple of years, last four or five years, have transitioned into working exclusively with triathletes. Perfect. And uh, we've had a pretty good, really good uh, email conversation going on what different topics and questions we will want to to answer in this uh, in this interview. And uh, f- first, one thing that I should mention is that you wrote an excellent guide, a really long guide, but I read it from start to finish and I highly recommend it for anybody. It seems that we have very similar philosophies to swim training for triathletes and we'll link that in the show notes. But... Uh, the structure for this interview will be we will answer the basic questions of how many times per week should you be swimming and and what should you be doing in your swim training should you focus on technique fitness or what's the correct balance and how should you then improve those two 
abilities, technique and fitness? Do you use drills and how do you structure your workouts, your interval sets, etc.? So uh, anything that we should talk about before going into this recipe for swim training for triathletes? Right. I think, I, well, first of all, I appreciate the uh, the mention of the guide. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of information out there. A lot of it is overwhelming. A lot of it is confusing. And so I sat down to write something that would sort of just help simplify it as much as possible. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's it's been very well received and I appreciate that feedback from you. Um, no, I think there's not, nothing else to add that's, uh, that's give your audience a very clear and structured breakdown on how to attack the structure of their training. Excellent. So let's first start with the all important questions. How many times a week should you be swimming? That is a question that gets asked a lot. Um, and there is, there's a couple of nuances that we need to kind of take into account, uh, for talking average age group triathlete. Uh, my experience has taught me that the magic number is, is three times a week. Uh, I get all of my athletes to commit to swimming at least three times a week. Some do more, uh, but none of them do less. And there's a reason why that three times a week is sort of a magic number, and it's due to the way that we develop feel uh, for the water. I found that if we go less than three times a week, uh, the body loses its feel for the water. And feel is sort of a touchy, uh, airy, fairy word. But in a nutshell, all, all that does is describes how, body, how well our bodies interact with the water. So uh, as we move around on land on a daily basis, we, we know how to deal with gravity uh, and we have very good spatial awareness as we move around on land. Uh, but when we're horizontal in an oxygen-deprived environment um, and all of, sort of had this weightlessness, our bodies aren't exactly sure how to respond um, and how to move effectively through the water. And that, that's, in a nutshell, what feel is. It's the ability to balance. It's the ability to hold your line. Uh, the ability to feel the water, grip on the water, and propel yourself forward. So swimming three times a week uh, gives us the ability to maintain that feel um, from session to session. If we stretch that out and only go two times a week, uh, a good part of each session is spent just sort of re-establishing a good feel for the water. Um, now, is four better than three or is five better than three? Uh, generally, yes, you are going to see improvements, better improvements by swimming more than three times a week. But you have to ask yourself the question, what are the overall gains uh, that you're getting for those extra two swims and what is the opportunity cost of those extra hours that you're spending uh, in the water. You could drop your swim time in your Olympic distance or, or, or 70.3 distance swim by two or three minutes uh, by putting those extra two hours in every, every week um, but could you improve 10 or 15 minutes on the bike or on the run uh, in those same two hours? So it, it sort of becomes a balance of working out uh, where the overall uh, best advantage is going to come from. 
Do you have any guidelines on at what number of weekly total workouts, including swim, bike and run, would you be well served moving up to four or five times of swimming per week? And likewise, if you do a certain number of workouts, which is uh, relatively few per week, when is free maybe too much? It takes up too much of your total time and you might move down to two swim workouts per week? That's a very good question. Um, I think... I think it's uh it sort of depends on what distance uh race you're looking to race. Um it, that will sort of set the parameters for whether or not it's in your best interest to move up. Um I think if you if you're racing a full for a full or training for a full distance Ironman, um likely those extra hours are going to be spent on the bike, um just because that that is such a big part of the day. Um, but if you're able to get in your long rides every week, plus an additional two, three hour um, extra rides on every alternating day, and you still have hours left over, well, one, you're either likely close to a pro triathlete or are a pro triathlete, or you're not dealing with the family work, etc., etc. Um, that the rest of us have to deal with. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent sure at what exact points it's in the best interest uh, for people to bump up. Um, what I have found is that uh, for a lot of my guys, if there's any injuries that pop up, uh, any Achilles or calves or anything like that that limit the number of run workouts they can do in a week, we immediately bump the swims up to four or five uh, and just get as much benefit as we can out of those out of the periods of time where they can't do the other the other training. And what about moving down? So let's say a, a typical more beginner, not necessarily a complete beginner, but but a common number of workouts in many age groupers i found is six workouts per week uh, they're just very time constrained and have a lot of other things going on and that's the amount of time that they're willing to commit and so so how do you break down if you have six workouts per week to play around with swimming biking and and running do you still recommend three swim workouts per week or does it move down to two um i think i think if you are limited to six six hours a week uh, I'm assuming that you, when you say workouts, you're looking at about an hour long. Um, for that situation, um, I would recommend doing uh, two one-hour workouts during the week and then trying to get in um, uh, a shorter 20-minute block uh, somewhere else in the week is, if you can, just to sort of get that feel for the water, or even a 15-minute block, um, whether that comes in on the back end of a run or any way you can sort of fit it in, um, if you can just touch the water for a very brief period of time uh, I would I would highly recommend that. Um, otherwise I think I think in that situation, I would probably limit it down to two. Um, but then I think also setting the expectation for somebody who is training at that number of hours a week, sort of where the performance level is going to be on race day. Yeah, yeah. And just thinking on my feet, I can think of maybe combining sw a swim 
a 20 minute swim with a with a gym session that's also crucially important and many many pools and facilities have gyms so you so you could do the swim 15 20 minute swim and then and then do your gym which might be part like one uh, solid workout in your in your weekly training schedule so that's maybe one one way that you can you can combine that correct or if you have a treadmill run um and you're swimming at the same facility or the same gym uh that has a treadmill or any way that you can, can kind of combine that and just get touch the water for a brief period of time is going to be highly advantageous mm. let's move on to the question about technique versus versus probably the wrong word here but uh technique and fitness how how do you combine the two and what what should triathletes let's start with this way what what should triathletes think about when it comes to where to put their priorities in swimming in technique and fitness and and let's treat this as a moving spectrum right um so you have to focus on both uh and i in my experience uh working with triathletes i've tended to come across two very distinct types um one that is believes that technique is absolutely everything and will spend a majority of their time just trying to focus on technique and then the other that will just try and sort of hack their way through this is at a beginner level at least um and you have to have a combination of both uh technique and uh uh, swim fitness which i think i, I sort of de- define as your ability to maintain good position uh, at a good heart rate or a, a relative heart rate um, over the prescribed period of time so that's sort of my very broad definition of t- uh, swim fitness um, and you have to have a combination of both um, you need a baseline level of fitness to be able to build good technique um, and then you need good technique to be able to swim faster and more efficiently over longer distances. Uh, so there's yeah. a combination of the both there. Yeah, there's been many guests on the show have pointed out exactly as you say that uh, technique or just move, expanding upon that, that if you don't have fitness, then no matter how good your technique is, when you're doing drills and swimming at a very easy pace, it will all break down as soon as you get up into the race intensity and uh, and you won't be have any any benefits from that technique if, if it breaks down you need to be able to hold the technique at your race intensity and and as you say i've also seen that many times that there are some triathletes that seem to just focus on technique and also i've heard the misnomer that there that i can just focus on swim technique and use my bike and run fitness for the fitness aspect of swimming but uh there's really not such an overlap in that direction that's at least my my belief what what's your opinion on that the overlap of different uh, cardiovascular fitness uh, abilities from the different disciplines of triathlon to one another um unfortunately i think uh, what you've just said is 100 spent spot on there isn't a great deal of transference from swim uh or bike and run fitness over into swim fitness Yes, 
your cardiovascular system will be efficient in many ways, but you're using completely different muscle groups to move you through the water uh, than you are on the bike and the run. And if those muscle groups are not efficient at utilizing the oxygen, at clearing the waste product, at delivering uh, nutrients and blood to the muscles, uh, you're, you are going to fall apart uh, very quickly um, if you don't have that swim-specific fitness. What about the other way around? Do you see a lot of overlap or uh, transference of fitness from swimming to the other sports? Uh, I think there is. I think there is a lot of benefit that does get transferred over. I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, specificity wins out. To become more efficient on the bike, you have to spend time on the bike. To become a better runner, you must run more. Um, But something that does transfer over very well is your ability to manage and control your breathing, which has a direct uh, relation with your heart rate. So swimming teaches you how to control your breathing and how to maintain uh, your a, a good respiratory rate. Um, and I think that has a lot of benefit um, that crosses over into um, biking and running. I also think not exactly tri- uh, uh, fitness related, but swimming also teaches very good lessons on pacing um, because we don't have uh, immediate feedback in the water on how fast we're swimming and what pace or what zone we're working in like we do when we're on the bike looking at our, our bike computer or when we're on the run looking at our watch. Um, there's some very good lessons on learning how to sort of distinguish what your pace is or what zone you're working in um, that you get from swimming and that definitely transfers over uh, onto your bike and your run. Mm. So sorry, that was me going off script, but excellent <laughs> answer, okay. and and I think that's uh, that's a good a good learning point as well for for the listeners. So let's get back to you need to do both technique and fitness, and uh, let's talk about the technique side first. How do we as triathletes improve our technique? So as I said before, you you need a baseline level of uh, fitness in order to really work on technique, and so. Uh, in the early stages of developing technique, you need to be doing both technique work and some swimming work to supplement it. But from focusing on the pure technique side of things, uh, I tend to use a lot of swimming drills to help uh, teach specific movement patterns in the simplest form. Uh, so drills help us break down and isolate individual pieces of the overall stroke, um, which gives us just one thing to focus on and get, and get better at. Um, and that can be a fundamental movement like your balance position or your alignment through the water uh, or looking at something that's that you've identified is a weakness in your stroke. So we could use drills we, I use drills with all of my athletes, regardless of how good a swimmer they are. 
the purpose may be to fix a weakness in a beginner swimmer, uh, or the purpose may be to refine something or reinforce a particular movement with a more experienced or more advanced swimmer. Uh, but drills is, is the vehicle that I use um, to, to help refine, develop and teach good technique. So how do we know which drills to use and how to use them? Like, do we do this for four 25 meter repeats or is it 20 or is it the entire hour? Or how, how do we go about starting to use drills to improve technique? And that, is, that is a very, very good question. Um, so the biggest mistake that a lot of triathletes will make with dr drills or the three that I sort of, uh, I, I pick up on regularly with guys that are uh, swimming on their own without a coach. Uh, and the first is drilling with no purpose. Uh, so you, like I said before, you want to identify a weakness or something specific that you want to refine and then find a drill that meets the need or, or helps you develop that. Now, identifying that weakness uh, can be as simple as um, having somebody watch your stroke, somebody who knows what they're doing, watch your stroke, whether that's a coach, uh, or recording yourself swim and comparing it to a model uh, or a good swimmer, um, watching yourself swim on video and identifying a problem in your stroke or getting a full video analysis done by a coach. Um, but identifying specific weaknesses in your stroke and then using a targeted dr uh, drill to help you. So do just simply Googling a drill or looking up a drill on YouTube and going, ah, that looks like something that's fun um, doesn't tend to really bring about tangible change. So that making sure that you have a purpose for your drill is probably the number one piece of advice I can uh, offer when it comes to drill. The second is not, uh, not doing too many drills in one workout. So um, we tend to limit the number of drills that we'll cover in, in the drill portion of a workout and we'll repeat those drills numerous times uh, repetition is is absolutely your friend when it comes to refining technique. So it's uh, there is always something else that you can focus on within that drill that's going to help you make uh, help make you a little bit more efficient or make you a little bit more effective in that piece of the stroke. So pick one drill or one stroke focus and have one or two drills that really nail that specific stroke focus and then repeat it a number of times over and over again uh, until you can feel the sort of automation as you move through the stages of learning um, of that piece of the stroke. Uh, so where ultimately you're looking to be sort of unconsciously competent uh, or on autopilot as you execute that piece of the stroke so that when you go into the full stroke swimming, um, you don't necessarily have to have the conscious focus on that piece. You can just focus on swimming and execute that part of the stroke well. Um, so that's just one or, or one or two drills per workout you correct. mean that you focus on and, and just one one part of your stroke and you mentioned there the the drill part or technique portion of the workout so how how big is that as part of, or in proportion of uh, your whole entire workout 
Uh, again, very good question. Uh, that depends on the skill level uh, of the swimmer and the time of the season that they are working in. Um, so the um, the more advanced swimmer uh, ha- can get away with doing less uh, drill work. Um, and uh, sorry, Michael, am I putting this on? silent i apologize yeah, no, no no worries no worries people people are busy they're, they're already calling you to to learn more about swimming um, swimming technique and booking booking video analysis sessions with you so it's all good uh so that let's go back there so the experienced swimmer um can get away with less overall uh drill time but I would still recommend that they spend a good portion of it. So early on in the season, off season, basically anything sort of 20 plus weeks out from a race, um, you can be spending upwards of uh, 50, 60% of your total workout time on technique. Um, as that gets closer to race day, we'll drop that down to 40%. And then in the last 12 weeks leading into a race, you're looking at about 10 to 15% of your workout time uh, doing drill work. And I should add that when I say drill work, um, we'll always do full stroke swimming in the drill portions of our workouts. So it's not just exclusively uh, doing a drill for 425s or 450s or a couple of 100s. We always take the drill into full stroke swimming. And ideally, we also take that full stroke swimming up through different uh, speeds. So as an experienced swimmer, I'm saying 50 to 60% of your workout time can be spent on technique and drills if you're 20 plus weeks out. But that's not to say that you are spending that entire time just doing drills. Um, that is just that you are spending that time really focused on uh, refining a particular stroke point, uh, whether that's through a drill or in your full stroke swimming. Now, for a beginner, the, we spend more time on technique. So we're talking 20 plus weeks out, uh, we can spend upwards of 75% of the total workout time uh, working technique and drills. And then as we get down to 12 weeks, uh, we can spend about half the time. And then in the 12 weeks leading into a race, we're probably looking at about 30% of your workout time spent doing drills. And again, the same thing applies. It's uh, balancing drill work with full stroke swimming and then taking that full stroke swimming through the various intensities um, because nothing is learned until it's tested under pressure. This is always an interesting question but what in your opinion is uh, if you need to put a number like uh, a CSS pace or something that when do you become a more experienced or an advanced swimmer? And when are you still on the beginner side and need to focus a bit more on technique compared to the, the advanced swimmer? What's the speed or the level, the ability that you need to reach? That is an interesting question. I think in, in my experience, um, once a swimmer sort of hits the 140 per 100 meter uh, mark, um, as their CSS or, or, or threshold pace. Um, at that point, 
um, they are likely moving more as a triathlon swimmer, likely moving more onto the experience side. So it, it, anything in the 130s, so 139, once they break through that 140 barrier, um, they're, they're tending to, to move into the more experienced swimmer. If you look at global exit times for Ironman branded full distance races, you're looking at the average time coming out of the water is about an hour 15, which is a two minute per 100 meter swim. Um, so if you are faster than that over an Ironman distance, um, you, your CSS pace is likely to be uh, in that 140 range. Um, and that's, that, in my opinion, is sort of where we start to cross over into um, a more experienced type uh, type scenario. Yeah, that sounds very reasonable uh, to me as well as a crossover point. Uh, let's move into the the fitness aspect. How how do we then work on on that? Um, so there are a couple of ways that we want to go about building our swim fitness. And one of the biggest mistakes that get made uh, by triathletes is not uh, varying the intensities that they're swimming at in their workouts. Um, and the building fitness is all about stressing the body in different ways. And by stressing the bodies in different ways, uh, stressing the body in different ways, we bring about adaption. Um, we can stress the body by swimming longer or we can stress the body by swimming faster or we can stress the body by reducing rest intervals. So there's a couple of different ways that we can uh, stress the body that brings about adaption. Um, now, probably the easiest way to talk about uh stressing the body for for your audience would be to looking at would be looking at uh, intensity levels so i think the, the four different intensity levels that i'll work through with uh, my athletes we look at recovery pace endurance pace threshold pace and speed so we sort of use those four different intensity levels in our workouts um, and the prescription of how much time we spend uh, working in each of those uh, intensities will depend on where we are in the season, um, what the goal of the athlete uh, is, what sort of race they are preparing for, and where they are in the swimming journey. So let's uh, take an example. Let's let's take a more beginner triathlete maybe in the two minutes per 100 uh, range so they still do uh, quite a bit of technique training but also as we talked about always incorporating some fitness so what what might they do in the early stages of of the like in the winter base phase of of a swim workout right so um your technique work is generally done at a recovery pace and endurance pace. So a recovery pace is sort of your relaxed, easy swimming. That would be zone one or perceived effort at about a one or a two. Um, that that allows the, that athlete to concentrate more on what they're doing technique-wise without stressing their body uh, and worrying about breathing. Endurance pace is slightly faster than that, but it's still very much a sustainable pace, sort of low zone two. Um, 
that swimming at that pace sort of just builds the ability of of the body to to keep moving consistently um over longer periods of time so not having to resort to stopping or hanging on the wall which is a luxury that we don't have when we're out in the open water or having to switch to breaststroke or survival swimming or anything like that so uh, we'll spend a fair amount of time in those zones when we do the technique work but the real sort of bang for your buck uh the real uh game changer for a swimmer uh, at about that pace is is threshold training so when i talk about the technique uh, the the fitness part of a workout the main set uh, that will will spend a majority of our time at threshold pace uh, for an athlete at about two minutes per hundred um, and your threshold pace or your css pace is a hard but sustainable pace um, it's a pace that you're not working so hard that your body is going into oxygen debt or major oxygen debt. You're not building up a lot of waste uh, in the blood. Um, and so you, you can, you're sort of pushing the boundaries of uh, how fast you can go, but still sustain it over time. Um, and there is this very simple test. Uh, there, there are a number of ways to sort of find what that pace is. A very simple one is a CSS test, uh, which is a 400 time trial followed by a 200 time trial. And you plug that into a CSS calculator, which uh, I could send you a link to. Yeah, we can we can link that on the show notes. Perfect. And we also talked talked about that in in detail and swimming training zones on episode twenty seven, I believe, of the podcast. So they will all also be linked up in the in the show notes. Perfect. So we'll spend a lot of time at that pace for a swimmer um, of of the sort of two minute per hundred. Um, so the fitness. Uh, the fitness element will majority be, be taken care of by that threshold training. Can you give an example of, of a main set for, for the swimmer? Uh, sure. Uh, I like to go, I like to work through uh, rounds um, with a number of my threshold sets just because it gives a lot of feedback to an athlete. So we may go a 1500 meter threshold set where we go a 200 followed by three 100s and we'll repeat that for three rounds um uh so we'll go 200 probably a 20 second rest or if you know what your pace is you could go on a, a send-off interval and then three 100s on a 10 to 15 second rest interval um and repeat that with no additional rest between the three rounds um and that I like a work, I like workouts like that because oftentimes that athlete will say to me in round one, I'm swimming too slowly, this is too easy. And then in round three, they're having to work incredibly hard to try and hold the same pace. Yeah, sounds good. What about the speed zone? How do you incorporate that in the training? Uh, so this is something that gets overlooked quite a lot. When we do a lot of threshold work or CSS pace, uh, essentially we're looking at basically swimming at about 75% intensity. And what you're teaching your body to do is become highly efficient um, at that specific heart rate or that specific zone. 
but that's 75% of your maximum speed. Now, we could get really efficient at swimming at that 75%, but not necessarily get any faster because our 100% speed hasn't improved at all. So in order to push our 100% speed a little bit higher, uh, which would then obviously mean that our 75% is a little bit faster too, we throw in some speed work. And this is this is a fast pace that absolutely cannot be sustained. Um, it's much faster than your CSS pace. We tend to do it on longer rest intervals. Um, it's pure all-out speed. Um, and those could be 50s. I like to use 75s um, just because it's a little bit longer, but we could also push those out to 100s. Um, and we're, we're talking not a lot of distance, uh, three, four, five, six, maybe 800 meters uh, in a full workout um, that's spread out over 40 to 50 minutes. Uh, so you're talking a very limited amount of volume but a very high pace. And that's difficult for a lot of uh, age group triathletes to do just because it's not something that they are focused on at all. Is this, is this still something that more intermediate or even beginners could do? Or is it more for the advanced? And the second question, at what point of the season should you do this kind of training? So that is, that's a good question. The way that I introduce uh, this to my beginners or intermediate uh, swimmers is um, we, we do it at the end of uh, some of the technique work. As I said earlier, nothing is tested under pressure. So we may go 450s uh, or 475s where we descend one to four. Um, and that last one we use is a really, really fast effort. So it's not a, it's not a isolated, uh, individual speed work session, but it does give them that sort of speed stimulus, uh, within the workout. Um, we also do, uh, some takeout speed work. Uh, so we'll do sort of fifties where we go. 20 meters all-out sprint into 30 meters at your uh, goal race pace um, and that little bit of speed work also uh, just that also just introduces a little bit of speed work to the beginner or intermediate uh, athlete for the advanced athlete we can do full sets of this um, and when we do it in the season, uh, it tends to be in that uh, sort of 12 to 20 week out from your uh, main race. Um, so as we get closer to race day, we tend to do more race specific work um, at your race pace with some speed thrown in there with the takeout, uh, with the takeout sets. Um, but the actual speed sex for an advanced athlete would do in the sort of 20 to 12 weeks out range. Those are some really, really good examples. And uh, the descending sets I really like a lot. And the, the, that takeout speed is something that uh, anybody could, could benefit from. Uh, 
even it's not, as you said, the intermediates transitioning into doing speed work or beginners, but also for advanced athletes that would essentially simulate the, the race start to try to Correct. go really hard all out at the, at the start, but then transitioning into race pace. Correct. And that's uh, something Rory, that's, that's very different about pool swimming versus triathlon swimming. And in pool swimming, we do a lot of that descend work because we want to finish strong. But in triathlon swimming, that's not always how it works. Yeah. We're quickly coming up on time here. So just very, very quickly, we discussed talking about testing your progress. So so what, what are the main takeaways here? Uh, so we're trying to, to wrap up this interview soon so that we sure. keep it to the, the time limit. Um, so I think there's just two things that I'd, I'd like to talk about in testing your, your progress. One is that your race day swim time is not always a good reflection of the swimming progress you've made. Uh, a very good example is a client that I've just recently started working with um, that's qualified for 70.3 World Championships uh, in South Africa next year. And he did a 70.3 race in the UK not too long ago. Um, and he thought it was a great swim because the time was good. And then three weeks later, he did another 70.3 race where he actually ended up qualifying for world champs and he thought it was a disastrous swim. But looking at his time relative to the rest of the field, the second swim was actually the better one, even though it was slower. Um, so there are so many variables in open water triathlon swimming that looking at exclusively at the time that you swim for a specific distance is not a great measure of the progress that you're making. Um, testing your, your uh, speed in the pool tends to give you a more, uh, a more accurate uh, measure of how well you're, you're progressing. And the easiest way to do that is by measuring your threshold speed uh, and your top end speed, as we talked about earlier, the sort of 75% speed and the 100% speed. So that can be a 100 meter time trial and then a CSS test or a threshold test of some sort that'll kind of tell you. But my suggestion is to make sure that you are testing, never run purely on assumption of how well your swimming is going and don't use your race day swim times uh, exclusively as a measure of how well you're progressing. How do you, how often do you recommend testing? Um, I tend to test with my athletes every six weeks. Um, but that also is sort of dependent on where we are in the season. Um, and one of the benefits is working with a coach is that they uh, sort of have an eye for where you're at and what needs to be adjusted or changed without having to test. Um, but generally, you're looking to test every four to six weeks. Right. All right, then let's move into the rapid fire questions. So let's keep these really short and sweet, starting with what's your favorite book, blog, or resource related to triathlon um, or swimming? I think for swimming, uh, there's a guy called Emmett Hines. Unfortunately, he passed away a little uh, last year. Uh, he had a blog, H2O Usten Swim or something like that. I can send you the link. Uh, but he breaks down swimming technique in a very unique way that I really enjoyed. Um, 
And then the normal guys, I think you've had a number of them on the podcast, Jerry Rodriguez, Brenton Ford, Paul Newsom, uh, all, all good stuff. Yeah, we'll link those up in the show notes. But uh, please send me the link because I haven't read that blog. So we'll link that up as well and I need to take a look at it. Sure. What's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Snorkel, for sure. And finally, what's something you wish you had known or wish you had done differently in your swimming career? Uh, I wish I'd been able to transfer some of the other principles that I'd learned in other areas of my life over into my swimming. And I think that applies to my coaching too. Uh, instead of approaching everything as a complete beginner, um, recognizing that there are certain principles that you've learned in other areas of your life that apply to the new endeavor that you're taking on or the new challenge that you're working on. Wise words. So if the listeners want to learn more about you, your website is icanswimfast.com and you have a very active and, uh, and good Instagram account at icswimfast. That's IC, the letters, and then swimfast, all in one word. And we'll have those linked up in the show notes as well. Is there anything else that you want to mention before we stop this interview? No, I think that's about it. I, uh, I, as you mentioned earlier on, I have the uh, Fundamentals Triathlon Swimming uh, Guide that's available on my uh, on my website. Uh, it's just icanswimfast.com forward slash fundamentals. Um, but other than that, no, that's about it. Find me on Instagram or on the website. Excellent. So this has been Rory Buck. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a great pleasure talking with you, Rory. Michael, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really appreciated it. And I, uh, I appreciate the, the time and the effort that you put into the show. It's uh, an incredible uh, podcast with some really awesome guests. And I know that these, uh, these shows aren't easy to do and a lot of people take them for granted. But this is a top quality show and I appreciate the time and effort that you put into it. Thanks. I appreciate that. As I said on the interview, me and Rory had a pretty long email conversation going on for a couple of weeks actually before we got around to recording the interview and, and it was really, really evident that we have very similar views on triathlon swim training. I 100% agree with with everything that Rory just said in that interview. So this is definitely something that I can really stand behind and I'd recommend everybody to to follow the framework that we that we go through here that's not to say that it's the only framework for triathlon swimming there are many different ways to skin a cat in in everything really and many people have had great success with with other ways but but i do believe that this is a great way to swim train and uh, as i mentioned on uh, that triathlon show.com on the show notes page we will have the link to rory's guide fundamentals of triathlon swimming it is really really good i read it and uh really fantastic easy to read easy to understand uh, but it is uh, it covers everything that you need to know also check out episodes 27 as i mentioned uh, swimming training zones including how to do a css test and how to use it and also episode three with jerry rodriguez is still to this day the second or third most downloaded episode of the podcast i believe and for good reason because it is a really great episode and jerry is one of the triathlon coaches or swim coaches in this instance that i follow the closest with his podcast and everything that he's got going on so do check that out episodes three and episode 27 and we'll have those linked up in the show notes 
Also, uh, Rory mentioned Brenton Ford, and he was on episode 18, so that will also be linked up, of course. You can contact me and send me questions on michael at scientifictriathlon.com, as usual. And as usual, that's Michael with a K. Or you can tweet me on Twitter. My handle is at SciTriat. With any questions or feedback that you may have, I really appreciate all of your contacts. And a big shout out today to Siobhan. I think I'm pronouncing that correct, but uh, it's difficult. It's an Irish name. So sorry if I'm not. Anyway, I still want to give you a big shout out for writing me an email with several questions about running that we already discussed. But the shout out here is for her telling me about telling all her friends in the Piranha Triathlon Club in Dublin about the That Triathlon Show podcast. So that I really appreciate that. And if you're a long-time listener and really like the show and really like your triathlon friends, then this is a fantastic help for both me to get the word out about the show. And I hope that it will be a fantastic help for your friends to be able to dig into this 70 episodes strong backlog of triathlon knowledge so thank you siobhan i appreciate you and welcome to all new piranha triathlon club listeners i hope that you will enjoy this podcast and do let me know if you have anything in particular that you want me to cover or any other feedback for that matter thank you as always for listening keep training smart and keep loving triathlon